You're listening to the Fueled and Free podcast. I'm your host, Margaret, a holistic nutritionist, bringing you real talk and thought-provoking conversations on food, the wellness world, women's health topics, and life. Remember, the information shared in this podcast is not to be taken as individual or medical advice. Welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, we're going to talk about one of the phases of the menstrual cycle known as the luteal phase, which if you have a menstrual cycle, you're familiar with what the luteal phase is. It is the 10 to 14 days leading up to your period. And so this will be part of kind of a four-part series where I'm going to do an episode on each of the phases of the menstrual cycle and talk about it from the context of how to eat for your menstrual for that particular cycle, how to optimize your calendar, your work, your exercise, what are things that can disrupt that phase of the cycle if you're having kind of signs and symptoms that that phase is maybe not balanced or optimal, if you will. For example, with the luteal phase, sometimes people have what is known as a shortened luteal phase, which can be an underlying a red flag of an underlying hormonal imbalance. And so you'll learn a few pointers of things that you can do to better optimize this particular phase of your cycle. And you'll find that in all the subsequential episodes that we do on each of these phases. I think this is a really important topic because we're not taught these things in school. And you would be surprised how many of us don't even know that there are multiple phases of our cycle. Most of us are just taught you get your period and then you don't have your period. And there's actually way more to your menstrual cycle than just the bleed and the not bleed time. I personally like to refer to each of these phases of our cycle like seasons. So winter is the bleed, which is your actual menstruation. You'll also hear the bleed part referred to as the moon. Spring is your follicular phase, which comes after the bleed ends. Ovulation is summer and luteal is fall. I'm talking about luteal phase first because this is the phase of the cycle where if you do have underlying hormonal imbalances, inflammation, certain deficiencies, you may find this phase to be your least favorite phase of the menstrual cycle. I also will acknowledge that those of you listening out there, it's perfectly normal to not like having a period. I don't expect everyone listening to be in love with their menstrual cycle and be like, yay, I'm in my luteal phase. But again, knowledge is power. And so the more that you can learn, oh, this is why this is happening or this is why I feel this way, it can really make a difference in how you experience your cycle. So luteal happens in the second half. It occurs after you ovulate, before menstruation. It typically lasts 12 to 16 days in length, but it does vary from person to person. You also may find that certain times of year, your luteal phase might be a little bit shorter. And part of that can be influenced by how much light exposure you have. So personally, I find I tend to have a longer menstrual cycle in the summer months when I get more sun exposure and we're spending more time outside. I have a normal luteal phase length during that time of year. But in the winter months when we are spending more time indoors and we're getting less sun exposure. Some people find that their menstrual cycle might be a little bit shorter and their luteal phase might be a little bit shorter. You might find that your menstrual cycle is a little bit more symptomatic during the winter months as well. 
So during this phase, the ruptured ovarian follicle, just to give you a little bit of science here for those of you that like to kind of know what happens, it transforms into a structure called your corpus luteum. And this is what secretes progesterone. You're going to hear me talk about progesterone a lot in this episode. So progesterone prepares your uterine lining for potential implantation of a fertilized egg by thickening it and making it more receptive for a potential pregnancy. As you know, the overall goal of your menstrual cycle is to achieve pregnancy. So even if that's not your personal goal, that is why everything happens the way it happens. If pregnancy does not occur, your corpus luteum degenerates, progesterone drops, and that triggers the start of your period, aka menstruation. Anything less than 12 days is considered too short of a luteal phase, and this can be a red flag for what is known as a luteal phase defect. Not only will this be a contributor to having a shorter menstrual cycle. So if you have a shorter luteal phase, you'll find that your cycle is probably going to be less than like 25 days, 26 days. It's probably going to be closer to 22, 23 days. I've even seen people have 20, 21 day cycles. When I'm talking about the length of cycle, by the way, day one of your cycle starts when your period starts. So day one is first day of the bleed. All right. I'm not talking about like a little bit of spotting. Some people have like a day or two of spotting. I'm talking like the first day where you're like, I have my period. That's day one. And then you count and then the cycle ends when you start your next period. That's the length of your cycle. I think it's important that if you don't pay attention to this, to pay attention to it because you can learn a lot about your health by looking at your menstrual cycle. So luteal phase defect. This can be super problematic, especially if you are trying to conceive. If you are trying to conceive, It can make it difficult for your body to successfully implant a fertilized egg. And this actually is a contributor to early miscarriages for people. In addition, if you notice that you have sore breasts, more fluid retention, restless sleep, insomnia, spotting before your period, these can be red flags that your luteal phase needs some more love, your body needs some more support. And again, signs of maybe some underlying imbalances that need to be addressed. Paying attention to your luteal phase, again, it's not just important for those of us that might be trying to conceive. Remember, your menstrual cycle is an indication of your overall health, just like your blood pressure, your blood sugar, your weight, thinking about like different health markers that we assess when we're looking at like, am I healthy or am I not? Your menstrual cycle is a key marker here. And so if you're having cycle irregularities or a really short cycle or you ovulate and you get your period a week later, that is a red flag of underlying imbalances. It could be thyroid. It could be your gut. It could be your liver. And I'm going to kind of go through now too on some of the different things that can really affect the luteal phase. So obviously hormonal imbalances will drive changes in your luteal phase. Remember that when hormones are out of balance, that is not a root cause. So if you're more estrogen dominant, which you can listen back, we did a whole episode on estrogen dominance. The estrogen dominance episode was number 23. So you can go back and listen to that. But, you know, women that have more estrogen than progesterone during the second half of their cycle aka estrogen dominance, 
that's a hormonal imbalance that we see all the time when we do Dutch hormone testing. We commonly see this higher estrogen, low progesterone pattern, which the Dutch test is a urine test. And you want to take this test after you ovulate. It's typically done around days like 17, 18 of your cycle, depending on how long your cycle is. And so the goal with the Dutch test is to capture what your hormones look like during the luteal phase. And it's very common to see estrogen dominance in all age groups. There's not really a specific age group that you see this pattern in. And so we don't want higher estrogen during our second half of our cycle. So progesterone should be the more dominant hormone during the second half of your cycle. And so if you're in a more estrogen dominant place, that's going to affect your luteal phase and it will drive lots of different symptoms like higher emotions, sore breasts, um, insomnia, weight gain, fluid retention. You're just, some people have more acne. You're just not going to like life as much during the second half of your cycle. And that's speaking from experience. One of the big things that drove me into the functional health space was to fix my short menstrual cycle and figure out my short luteal phase. So at one point, I was getting my period every 20, 21 days consistently for a very long time. And I remember going to my doctor. This is when I was done having kids. I think it was in my like early 30s. We were done having kids by like 31 or 30. And my doctor was like, yeah, you know, it's really not that big of a deal that you have a short cycle. You can go on birth control. I was like, I'm done. I'm done being on birth control. I had been on it for a decade. You guys have heard my story. If you listen to my podcast, I talk about, you know, my situation with birth control and my, if I could go back and change things, I wouldn't have been on it nearly as long as I would, as I was, but it is what it is. Anyways, that was what I was offered. Um, I think I did a thyroid panel and some other blood work. Everything came back normal. And that, that was not enough for me. I'm sorry. I don't want to have my period twice a month, every 20 days. And that week before my period was very symptomatic for me. I'd have a day or two where I was exhausted, you know, maybe some constipation, super bloated, super sore breasts. I'd have acne breakouts, anxiety. My sleep was disrupted. It was just not. So when that happens to you, you end up having, you know, two and a half weeks out of the whole month, if that, where you actually feel good. Yeah, not even. If you're getting your cycle every 20, 21 days, you are only having two weeks out of your month where you probably feel decent. And then the other seven days are surrounding your period about to start or you're on your period. That's just not a way to live, folks. Sorry. Um, and so I want to help you figure this out. <laughs> Another thing that affects the luteal phase is stress. And that was the case for me. So high cortisol. This will affect your thyroid hormone production. It negatively affects progesterone production. And so as a mom that was, you know, had back-to-back pregnancies, I also had had two miscarriages in between my pregnancies, one before my daughter, one after my daughter before my son was born. And again, history of birth control. And at the time I was doing intermittent fasting, drinking coffee on an empty stomach, not eating enough you know, just on the stress hamster wheel. And again, raising little kids. My kids were so little. I was a stay-at-home mom. No, not a lot of childcare, not a lot of help at home. My husband was working a lot. I was a very stressed out person. 
And when you're in a chronically high cortisol state, for whatever reason that, you know, is happening to you, whether it's work-related, kids, financial, relationship, whatever, um, some of us are more prone to high cortisol too from a history of trauma, which that's the case for me too. I am definitely a sensitive, more easily prone to stress nervous system because of my trauma history. And so that affects the hormones, your nutrient status as well. So you might notice that like after having a couple babies, your cycle is not what it used to be. And that is because pregnancy and breastfeeding too, it, it's super depleting on the body. And so we lose a lot of nutrients during pregnancy. We lose nutrients due to stress. We lose nutrients due to the toxins that we're exposed to in the world. Uh, not eating enough, being on certain medications deplete essential nutrients. If you were on birth control, you likely have some nutrient deficiencies. And so we need things like B vitamins and copper and zinc and retinol, magnesium, fat-soluble vitamins. We need amino acids from high-quality protein to support hormone production. So we got to look at nutrition. This is such an important piece of the puzzle. And this is where it can get frustrating because when we see these kind of imbalances with hormones, the first question is like, what supplement do I need to take to fix this? And especially with the Dutch test, when we have the Dutch test, the data from doing that hormone test, there are a lot of herbal supplements that you can throw to a client and be like, here, take this for this part of your cycle that's not working great, or take this for your cortisol and take this for your testosterone. And you can try to manipulate hormones with herbs and supplements as much as you want. But if the nutrition side is not there, you're wasting your money. You cannot be under eating. You can't be doing 12, 1400 calories a day. I would even say like if you're eating less than 2000 calories a day and that's your like continual, you know, existence is low calorie all the time. You're not eating enough fats. You're low carb. You're going to see, uh, you're going to have a harder time getting those hormones to an optimal place. Exercise can affect luteal phase, which I started to touch on that with the cortisol conversation. So while exercise is really good for us, we have to also acknowledge it's a stressor. And so the, the type of exercise you're doing might be driving your luteal phase issues. Um, certain medications, taking birth control, SSRIs, ADHD medications, and steroids. Aging is another thing that can affect luteal phase. So as we get closer to that perimenopausal beautiful stage of life, which go listen to the last episode that I interviewed Adrienne Cotton. That would have been episode 29. It was such a good interview with her. I really enjoyed chatting with her about perimenopause and menopause. But naturally, as we age, the ovarian output of hormones declines, and part of that has to do with brain signaling. Um, and so we will just start to see more disruptions in the luteal phase of the cycle. And that is where, depending on what your age is at and what your hormones look like, looking into bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, HRT, can be really, really helpful. Really helpful. Don't just suffer through. If you're like, I've done all the things, it's not working, look into HRT. Uh, toxicity, which by the way, our, my practice, Fueled and Free Nutrition, one of the practitioners that we have on staff now, Carol, um, Carol Fernandez, she is also a functional diagnostic nutritionist like myself, but she is so knowledgeable on the hormone side for women at midlife. So if you're listening to this and 
you're like, yeah, I'm going through perimenopause and my luteal phase sucks and I'm dying and I don't feel good. And I'm curious about HRT, but I don't know what I should be doing to prepare myself for that or what conversations I should be having with my doctor. You need to work with Carol on my team. She um, went through a certification called Midlife Mastery and went through a six-month mentorship with the top industry leaders in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. And I brought her on into our practice to help with this niche of clients that need to know what their options are with hormones besides nutrition. Yes, we want to have optimal nutrition. We want to have our minerals supported. We want to work on our gut. We want to have good exercise habits and sleep and stress management. Yes, yes, yes. We want all those things. But also HRT as we age is a beautiful thing to make that transition smoother. It is dangerous, in my opinion, for most women to go into that stage of life without some sort of buffer. Um, I'm going to bring Carol on the podcast here soon. We're going to talk about this in more detail. I've learned a lot from having her on my team, and I'm very grateful to have been able to bring her on. Uh, Next, toxicity. If you have a lot of toxins or your body's not detoxifying well, um, that will contribute to higher levels of circulating estrogen. Um, We can experience toxicity through a lot of things. I feel like I've talked about this on probably every episode, but minding what you're putting on your body what you're breathing in, what you're using in your home, what you're putting on your skin, really important. Sometimes the toxicity is more environmental and there's more investigation that needs to be done there. Um, Your gut and liver, so your gut health, huge direct influence on your estrogen and estrogen metabolism. And so if that gut microbiome is imbalanced, you're going to have higher levels of estrogen, which is going to make your luteal phase more symptomatic. All right, now we're going to talk about hacking your luteal phase. What does it look like to align with this phase of your cycle for optimal energy and to feel your best? First, I want to talk about exercise. I'm a big fan of exercise, and I find that luteal phase can be that time of the month where it can feel easier to just fall off of that routine for sure. Because what happens is the energy starts to decline closer to your period. So, Beginning of luteal phase, post-ovulation, you should have decent energy and be able to show up to your fitness regimen as usual. But as you get closer to your period starting, the week out before your period, you might notice that you're more tired. You might find that you need more sleep, and so setting the alarm for that early morning workout might not be happening. You might find that you need more time to recover. So that week leading up to your period, you just might do less workout. So if you normally program like four days in the gym, you might do three that week, right? And you might want to dial back on the intensity, okay? Um, I like to stick to moderate weightlifting during my luteal phase, low-intensity cardio, like walking, jogging, swimming. You will not find me in like a cycle class or in a hit class. You won't find me doing like real deal running during that time. Restorative practices like yoga and Pilates are also really great to do as well. I don't think that you should not exercise during the luteal phase. Hear me on that. But you might need to modify what you're doing and you'll find that you're you're going to enjoy your workouts more when you're not forcing yourself into this schedule that 
your beach body coach told you to do, right? And that's the thing. I don't want to knock like beach body or any trainer for that for that matter, but I do think it's important that if you're following a workout program, whether it's through, you know, beach body or through an app or a trainer or whatever, just because they're telling you, oh, this week you have to do Monday this, Tuesday that, Thursday that, you know, whatever, make it work for where you are in your cycle. I think that's really important to do. So now I want to talk about the nutrient side, because this is definitely a part of the cycle where you're going to notice like you should feel more hungrier. It's biologically, physiologically normal to feel hungrier during the luteal phase, and you're going to notice cravings. And there's different reasons why that happens. So after ovulation, there's that rise in progesterone. And this is the hormone that will stimulate an increase in appetite. So what we really want to make sure that we do during luteal phase is supporting healthy blood sugar. This is the time of the month where you are going to be more prone to blood sugar fluctuations. And so this is a time that you want to make sure that you are balancing your plate properly, which I'll explain what that means. But more importantly, eating consistent meals. It's not the time to do long periods of fasting, skipping breakfast, going low carb, things like that. So I'm a big fan of incorporating complex carbs, especially during the luteal phase, some whole grains, properly prepared legumes, root vegetables like sweet potatoes, potatoes, squash, and vegetables can help stabilize those blood sugar levels, help reduce cravings and the mood fluctuations that we can sometimes experience. With those carbohydrates, you want to make sure you're eating an adequate amount of protein, which I did a whole episode on protein. You can go back and listen to episode 27 for that one. It was a good one. And fats, okay? So that increase in progesterone contributes to an increased need for certain nutrients, including fats. Fats are essential for hormone production, including estrogen and progesterone. You're going to find that you crave more fats during the second half of your cycle. And part of that is fats are a more concentrated source of energy. So you get nine calories per gram of fat, whereas with protein and carbs, four calories per gram. And so your body might be seeking more energy in anticipation for a potential pregnancy. Because remember, the goal with luteal phase is to create this environment within your womb that is ideal for implanting a fertilized egg. Even if that's not your goal, that's what your body is trying to do. And so that is part of why we crave more fats, chocolate. (laughs) Uh, It's part of why we're hungrier during the luteal phase as well. You might find that you have a harder time sticking to a diet during the luteal phase. You're going to have an increase in your basal metabolic rate for most of us during this phase. We're burning more calories during that phase of the cycle because of what is physiologically happening to prepare the body for a potential pregnancy or even just to prepare the body for having a monthly bleed. As far as what kind of fats we should be eating, we want to have a balance of different types of fats. So I would caution against eating a lot of nuts and seeds and peanut butter and nut butters and things like that. Avocados are good. Um, I like avocado oil, olive oil. Not that I like eat avocado oil or olive oil, but like I'll cook my vegetables or steam my different foods in those types of fats. Um, But butter, ghee, 
high quality dairy. Not all dairy is created equal. Uh, we're going to get fats from some of the protein sources that we are eating. So if you're doing beef, lamb, fatty fish, I'm a big fan of salmon or high quality tuna during my luteal phase, but I do, I do tend to crave more salmon during the second half of your cycle, which salmon is a fatty fish that's really rich in omega-3s, which omega-3s are very anti-inflammatory, which the more that we can have anti-inflammatory foods in our diet, that's going to help counteract symptoms like bloating or mood swings from our cycle. Staying hydrated is also really, really key. So making sure that you're getting enough electrolytes. I like to put a pinch of sea salt in my water. We drink the pickleball cocktail, which is a potassium-based electrolyte powder. I will do my adrenal cocktails and just making sure I'm drinking enough water in general. If you're more dehydrated, you're going to have more cramps during your period. Luteal phase, especially later in the luteal phase, is when I will kind of cut back on my caffeine too. I don't necessarily feel like I overdo it on caffeine, but I will do like just stick that one cup of coffee and nothing else or my cup of matcha and keep caffeine lower during that time of my cycle because I am more prone to cramps if I have too much caffeine. Um, another thing I will say is sticking to more warming foods during the late luteal phase and then also when you're on your period versus your cold foods. So I won't be drinking like cold smoothies, smoothie bowls. I won't be eating leafy greens, raw veggies. You won't see me eating salads close to my period. I typically try to stick to well-cooked foods, warming foods like soups, stews, sheet pan meals. I also up the red meat closer to my cycle. I eat a pretty good amount of red meat as it is. We eat red meat a couple times a week. Some weeks I'm eating it almost every day. I, my body does really, really well with red meat. Red meat has a lot of high quality nutrients like B vitamins and iron and copper and selenium and zinc and vitamin A. I'm probably missing a few other nutrients that you can find in red meat, but we also get some good quality fats from red meat, some saturated fats, which despite what the media says about saturated fats, they are not the devil, okay? So anyways, I hope this kind of gives you a little bit of inspiration and ideas of what to eat during that cycle or phase of your cycle. Don't overcomplicate it. But um, I also would say too, when you're craving those carbs, try to not go crazy on the grains like the gluten and the the processed foods, you know, the snacky stuff. Really don't get a lot of bioavailable nutrients from those processed foods. So next, I want to talk about how to optimize your luteal phase from a work and productivity and calendar standpoint. So I find that luteal phase is a time that I tend to feel more introverted and less social, especially closer to the period starting. And I think it's important to honor that, communicate with those around you that are a part of the decision-making with socializing. So I tell my husband like, hey, I'm in my luteal phase he he we have a little joke he keeps telling me he's like we got to do some reels about the luteal phase he calls it the don't touch meal phase <laughs> because from a uh intimacy standpoint your sex drive is probably not going to be great during your luteal phase especially the days leading up to your period um i actually find that my sex drive like the week leading up to my period is pretty non-existent 
I mean, I can take one for the team, but I'm not usually like, yay, let's do it. But then like right before my period comes, I do get that like, okay, it's almost like your body knows that your period's coming. I'm so curious if anyone else listening to this relates, but it's almost like your body knows that that time is coming and you're like, I got to get it in because my period's coming. It's going to be here any minute and then I'll be off the clock for a couple of days, right? Um, And I do know that there is a surge of testosterone that happens right before your period starts. So that is kind of normal to get that like quick urge where you're like, all right, let's go. And then the next morning you wake up and you're like, yep, there it is. (laughs) But I do talk to my husband and say like sometimes like, you know, the weekend before my period comes or just that time, I, I find that I have less bandwidth. And so I try not to cram the calendar with a lot of things. Sometimes that's just not the way our life shakes out. And so if there is a lot of things on the calendar that week, I will try to like bookend my days or find times in my days for self-care and downtime, whether it's like, I'm going to go lay on the floor in my closet and put in my headphones and listen to a guided meditation on my prana mat and put a blanket over me. Literally, I do that. If I'm tapped out and I've had a long day and I'm in that part of my cycle where I'm just like, there is no pushing through. I'm so tapped out. I feel like I could cry, right? We've all been there. That is my go-to. I will like go in my walk-in closet, turn off the light, put on a guided meditation, lay on the prana mat, put a blanket over me, like just make this kind of sensory cocoon for me. And it is so helpful. And then I can come back out and like be a human again, right? Because for me, it's like, I don't necessarily want to just like check out and be in bed the rest of the day. I want to still participate in what's going on, but I need to kind of carve in these like little 10, 20, 30 minute opportunities for me to recharge or maybe even longer. Maybe it's like a two hour opportunity where I'm in my room and I'm door shut and I'm watching a show by myself and I'm not talking to anyone, right? Though from a calendar standpoint, not a lot of socializing in the days leading up to your period. You just might not feel like it. Some of us that are more extroverted can push through, but if you're an introvert, you're going to notice this about yourself and don't beat yourself up. It's totally normal. Ovulation is when you're going to want to pack your calendar full of things to do. From a productivity and work standpoint, and even if you're listening and you don't work um, and you're running a household, there are things you're going to notice about what you want to do around the house or yeah, work, house, whatever. So this is the time when you're kind of pulling things across the finish line, finishing projects, finishing items that have been on your to-do list for a while. You're making that run to UPS and returning that crap to Amazon that's been piled on the floor in your garage for the last week, right? You're finally paying that bill that you've been meaning to pay, scheduling that appointment, you know, like responding to those text messages that you let go of, right? cleaning out the email inbox. That's the time when I'm like, go through my camera roll and delete crap off of my phone or clean out my inbox, paying yeah, paying bills, like all the admin head down things. I don't feel as creative. If you, you've probably listened to this podcast and had times that you've listened, you're like, man, she doesn't sound energetically like that into it. It's probably because I recorded it like on my late luteal phase. Sorry if you can hear a random dog barking in the background, but you will find that during this phase of your cycle, you're just not going to feel as 
extroverted, outwardly focused. You're going to be more inwardly focused, okay? You'll notice that you don't feel as creative and inspired during the luteal phase either. So I would save planning, uh, brainstorming, you know, the creative types of things that you need to do, whether that's for work or whatever, um, for a different phase of your cycle, particularly for the follicular phase. We'll talk about that on another episode, but um, you might also find that you're more prone to anxiety and overthinking. And so those big, heavy projects and tasks might feel to be too much. And so maybe you use the luteal phase more for like preparing for a project, right? Like I'll say for an example, I like to do, we do Zoom workshops for clients every single month. I'll teach on a different topic. We took a break in November, December, but we've been back to doing that on a regular basis. I really do like teaching. I like getting face-to-face on a Zoom call with our clients and like talking through different things. And so my luteal phase might be a good time to like plan that project a little bit, map it out, put some of the parts together. But the actual execution of that Zoom workshop, whether it's for clients or for my Instagram followers or whatever, will take place at a later point because the brain is just not firing on all cylinders for me, especially in the late luteal phase and when my period is starting. Like if if it is on my calendar to pull a big project across the finish line and like execute something big and I'm starting my period, like (laughs) watch out. And this is where as women, like we can just self-sabotage and beat ourselves up and be like, ah, why can't I get this done? Or we'll tell ourselves bad things like, oh, I suck or I'm not consistent or this or that. And it's not you. It's not your lack of motivation or it's not you being lazy or, oh, I must have ADHD or there's something wrong with me. No, it's just hormonally not the vibe and and choose a different time to do that project. And once you kind of learn this flow, it's very freeing. Like I actually don't plan my calendar around like, oh, it's the first of the month. What are we doing next month? Right. I plan my calendar around like, okay, my period's ending. What does the next 30 days look like? It's like the fog lifts after your period ends. Period fog's a real thing. Um, in fact, as I record this right now, my period has like just ended. And so I'm entering my follicular phase and I am going to sit down with my calendar probably today or tomorrow and plan the next 30 days out and look and see like, okay, what are we doing for work? What are we doing for family? What are we doing for house, for whatever, marriage, financial, kind of all the different pillars of my life? What am I working on with my health goals? Do I do that every month? No, but you know, we're trying to be proactive. It's a new it's a new year over here, right? So anyways, I hope that gives you kind of some inspiration and ideas. And yeah, I I think that's all I really wanted to cover on Luteal Phase today. I hope this was helpful for you guys. And then I'm trying to think when this next episode on follicular phase will come out. It won't come out next week, probably the following week. We will have an episode on follicular phase. As always, if you have any questions, shoot us an email, fuelandfreepodcast at gmail.com and come say hi on Instagram at Margaret Ann Powell. And thanks so much for listening. And if you're listening to this and you're like, my luteal phase is a hot mess, my periods are a hot mess, 
everything is a hot mess and I'm tired of figuring this out. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. Come to our website, fueledandfree.com. I'll have it linked and apply to work with us. We would love to help you. That is the exact type of person that we work with. We work with women that have hormonal symptoms, gut issues are the top two. Usually gut and hormonal stuff go hand in hand. And we're the person you come to when you're like, I'm not getting any help from my doctor. I don't want to go back on birth control. I've tried different things. Um, Ideally, we like to work with people that have been working on their nutrition. They have some health habits in place, and that's like the best place to be ready to do some lab work. But if you're starting from ground zero to, we can still help you. We'd love to help you. Okay, I think that's it. Have a great rest of your day and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Fueled and Free podcast. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Learn more at margaretannpowell.com and follow me on Instagram at margaretannpowell.com.